Hello and welcome to the podcast from Holy Trinity Westerhales. We're delighted that you've joined us for this week's podcast and pray that you would be blessed through it. Wow, was that, was that Richie or was it an echo machine? Did you hear that? Miracles, miracles, miracles. Miracles, miracles. <laughs> That's brilliant, that. Well done. Uh, thanks to everybody. Let's, let's give the team front and back. Let's give them a round of applause. Bless them. Bless them in the Lord. Uh, it's wonderful, is that? Uh, right. A few items today, a few things. I don't know if you'll feel it's like going from the sublime to the ridiculous in, or in the other direction, but I think we've got a bit of each this morning. So I've checked out with Chris if a couple of videos are working. And, uh, oh, it's a bit, I've got the sort of in the middle signal. So it might work, it might not. We'll see. Uh, some of you might remember, this ages, ages some of us, Ready Breck adverts. Yeah, Ready Breck adverts. Let, let, let's have a go. Ready Breck with lashings of hot milk to soak up those natural oats, malt and vitamins. All goodness and nothing wasted. This is the way to start the day on a cold and frosty morning. This is the way to glow to school, glow to school, glow to school. This is the way to glow to school, glow to school, glow to school. This is the way to glow to school on a cold and frosty morning. Ready Breck, central heating for kids. It's so true, isn't it, that every Monday to Friday, the children of Wester Hales are going to school just like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the joys of Solid, I was just sharing with someone this week that we, uh, I can't believe that we hit a new record. We were there for five hours this week, um, which was brilliant, discussing the things of God. Um, and it's like one of the things we do is we try and get into the Bible and just see how amazing it is. Um, and we try and kind of, if you like, debug or get rid of some of the, the errors while we're doing that it's possible to make. Well, one of them is that you can take a, a verse, and if you don't look at it in the context of everything else, well, it can become a bit of a problem. So you can take a verse, maybe, uh, what about, let, let's all eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. Now, you take that, that becomes your doctrine, then you're going to have a great life today, but then suddenly worry about it tomorrow. What I'm trying to say is that what we need to do is with a verse of the Bible, 
take it in its context, it might be that the verses around that verse are actually very helpful in understanding just what that verse is saying. And then maybe the verses in the chapter, then maybe the verses in that particular book of the Bible, then maybe even in the whole of the Testament that it's in, the New Testament. And if it's in the New Testament, to look at what's actually in the Old Testament. And when we get the whole picture, then that can sometimes save us from going into error. And curiously, when you look at the whole Bible, isn't this the beauty? Uh, there's a consistency. Would you believe it? Because the one who inspired Genesis is the one who inspired Revelation. The same Holy Spirit who breathed into Genesis breathed into Revelation and everywhere in between. So when you take the Bible as a whole, what you're getting is a very consistent picture of truth of, of, of God's word. Now these theophanies that we're looking at are quite one-off events, but that's what they are. They're a narrative of what happened at a particular time. And so what we need to do is notice how the, the effects of these theophanies, yeah, they may be particular to that time. Moses in a burning bush, well, we don't well, there might be, but we go, we're not used to seeing burning bushes. But there's truths that hold throughout time. And uh, when we've been looking at these theophanies, we've said how often there's a connection with covenant. The idea that God has a relationship with his people. And one or two more things. Very often, even when they're coming way back in the Old Testament, they point to Jesus. That's not too much of a surprise when you think that the Bible as a whole points to Jesus. If the Bible's inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit we're told about in John's Gospel, his work is to point to Jesus. So the fact that the whole of the Bible points to Jesus shouldn't become as too much of a surprise. So the first thing we're going to do now is ask the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, our leader, and the one who's speaking into our ears this morning. Father God, will you bring this about as we look at your word? We thank you for your word. Thank you that you've given us a, a document that isn't just something that we can read. It's something that we can live by. It's something that you inspired. It's your word, Lord. However many authors were involved, however many years it took to complete it, it's all from you. And so we look to you that you would lead us through your word this morning into the deeper truths of yourself. Grant us ears to hear what you're saying and grant us hearts to be able to receive all that you have for us. So to that end, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. The, uh, the ready break thing might, uh, might make sense at some point uh, l- later on. Um, ooh, what's happening today? Well, rumour has it that uh, there's, a, there's a bit of a, a trip out. Do you know how we're influenced by the weather forecast? You're, you're not, maybe, uh, like I am. But with weather forecasts can affect us. What's going to happen? So if I say, we're, we're going to the beach today, it's going to be really hot and sunny, you all go... Sure. 
and I know it's not pantomime, but let, let, let's try again with, me, with, with meaning. Okay, we're, we're, we're going to the beach today. It's going to be sunny. Thank you. Or alternatively, we're going to the beach today. It's going to be freezing cold. It affects us, doesn't it? Yeah, weather's affected. Um, how about just one more then? We're going to the beach today. It's going to be cloudy. <laughs> Brilliant. Exactly. Thank you. You see, audience, audience, sorry, congregation participation can, can, can be helpful. Uh, because clouds are sort of of this in, in the middle. We, we learned this with fire. Uh, fire can be destructive, can burn, but actually is, is also in that a purification. Uh, and the wind and the fire actually have, if you like, good elements within them. Whereas cloud, well, we're not so sure. Uh, are, are they any good? They stop the sun. Well, yeah, the, the good news is they are stopping the sun. So you do not need to spend your money on factor 30. Okay? Clouds have a silver lining. And the truth is they actually protect us. Yeah? So clouds are not necessarily a bad thing. And if they're such a bad thing, then I'd say, well, why does God seem to like appearing in a cloud. When the people, they weren't, of, if you like, of Israel at the time, they'd been in Egypt, they left Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, and there was a cloud, a cloud that they followed. They knew when to move because there were a cloud, and the cloud moved, they followed it, and cloud during the day, they could follow it, cloud at night, but they couldn't see it, so God put a fire in it. And so the cloud was still there, there was a fire in it, the people of Israel knew where to go, they were heading towards Israel at, at the time. And the people got used to looking at these clouds. Uh, we're going to look at a verse where in, in Exodus we begin to see what, what was taking place. I'm looking to see which is the best one to, for me to read from. Here we go. While Aaron was speaking, the whole Israelite community, uh, to the community, they looked towards the desert. There they are at the start of the journey. They're getting a bit concerned about no food and all the rest of it. And God says, don't worry, I'll, I'll look after you. I'll show you my glory. And there they were. They looked in the cloud and there was the appearance of the glory of the Lord. Let's hold on to that phrase, the glory of the Lord. The word for glorious you, you know, is kabod, this idea of, of heaviness, of, of weight. So the glory of the Lord was appearing in a cloud. They set off and they arrived at, at Mount Sinai. Let's look at some more of what the scripture t uh, tells us. On the morning of the third day, this was at Sinai, thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain. So there's a, an obscuring of something that's taking place. Maybe even a protection, a layer of protection. A thick cloud and a very loud trumpet blast. I, I, when I, I, I just think about this and people looking at each other and say, are you blowing that trumpet? Are you? Yeah? What would we think about it? Hang on, there's only us here. There's a cloud and there's a trumpet blowing. Who's blowing that? This, uh, the word is shofar, you know the shofar, the ram's horn. There's a shofar being blown. Wow. And as they got nearer the, the mountain, as they, the, the, the intensity of the cloud and the shofar grew. So the people were trembling. Moses went up the mountain. God says, okay, Moses, time to come up. And the cloud covered it. And the glory of the Lord settled on it. Hang on a minute. This glory was over there. Now it's here on the mountain, still in the cloud, but with Moses. For six days, the cloud covered the mountain. On the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses 
from within the cloud. Maybe the beginning of a reference to the fact that at one point we've got the glory of the Lord in the cloud. Hang on a minute. But this is the Lord speaking to Moses from the cloud. Hmm. Okay. So all should have been well at this point. Moses is up the mountain, Ten Commandments. While he's up there, people get in a bit unsure what to do. We know we got all the gold together, gave it air, and golden calf, OD, and not the thing to do. God says, your people down there, they're causing a problem. Moses says, okay, we'll go. He went down. Tablets didn't last much longer. Uh, there was death. There was, if you like, um, punishment for what was taking place, for, for not just following the instructions they'd been given. But Moses did something incredible. He said, God, okay, we got it wrong. Don't wipe these people out. Don't wipe me out from your book first. How incredible. Moses, the one who'd been with God, was prepared to say, God, forgive them. Or if not, maybe take me instead. What, what humility. What a thought from Moses. Anyway, we'll see where Moses continued because God was back with Moses up the mountain. Thanks, Chris. So Moses had got used to this pitching a tent outside. Note the idea of a tent. This was going to become the tent of meeting. Okay? They were in the desert. They didn't have the bricks. They had a tent. And this was the place where Moses was already meeting with God. Moses has pleaded on behalf of the people. Let's move this on. As Moses went into the tent, so this is the tent on the floor, if you like, on, on, in the desert, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance. So Moses, meeting with God in a tent, and as he did, so that the people would know God was there, a cloud came down. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks with a friend. Well, I've included these references of face to face because as we'll see, there's sort of one or two issues that we have to deal with. Let's take it the fact that he's going to be meeting one to one. Ian, Ian shared the other week how the relationship between God and Moses moved on. God knew Moses from the start, but Moses got to know God a little as well. And Moses turned from someone who was so apprehensive to someone who was becoming quite bold with God. And he was meeting with God in this face-to-face -face sort of way. But maybe not in a face-to-face -face in front, as we'll read from what else was taking place. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people this is, hang on. is this the shy, retiring Moses that we used to read about? You've been telling me. He's not telling the Lord. You've been telling me to lead these people, but you've not. Let me know whom you will send with me. Earlier on, when he went to uh, Egypt, he's saying, oh, I'm a bit nervous about going to Pharaoh. Who's going to go? Aaron came along, took Aaron with him. Now, here's this time through the desert, on the way to the promised land. Lord, I think we're going to need someone, but actually, it's going to be you who we need. So, well, who's coming with us? And then he says to imagine this saying to you, remember, this nation is your people. Brilliant, isn't it? 
Yeah? Suddenly Moses is saying to God, yeah, yeah, it's all right. It's your people. If you want them looking after, yeah, well, it's your people. Think if it, if it goes wrong, if it goes wrong, what's it going to look like? What's it going to look like? Are they going to blame me? Anyway, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you. What has Moses asked for? Moses has said, don't let these people go out without you. We're going to be in trouble. Who's going to go with us? God, I think it would be good if you would. What does God say? My presence will go with you. The very thing that Moses knew was, was what was needed. God knew it was needed as well. And so God was preparing the way. Let's continue. So once again, a little bit of repetition. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me, this is Moses, and your people, unless you go with us? There's a repetition. It must have been important to Moses to know it was God who was going to go with them. The thought of God's presence with them, that was going to change everything. Moses knew that. So again, he asks again, who's going to go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people? No, when Moses is talking now, this is God's people. What, we, we are here. What's going to distinguish us from everybody else? We've got a task. We, you've told us that we have this inheritance. This is going to come. This land's going to come. How will everybody else look? Are we just going to go and say, this is ours. Thank you very much. How are we going to do it? What's going to distinguish us from everybody else on the earth? Thanks, Chris. And the Lord said, I'll do the very thing you've asked because I'm pleased with you. I know you by name. So in other words, Moses is saying, what is going to distinguish us except you? If the people around... All these other people, well, not going to name in the tribes, but they all usually end in ites. Um, how will they know that we're your people, God? Well, if God is with us, that's our distinguishing mark. Because it's God who can make the difference. We can't do it ourselves, as we know from Scripture. They weren't the biggest of people. They weren't the most powerful of people. They're just the people wandering in the desert. How were they going to take all this land? But if God does it... Everyone else is going to look on and say, whoa, how's this happened? And we know some of the battles that they fought, Jericho, for instance, and all these other battles. And they showed when Gideon was fighting people. Yeah, it's, it, it was all about God. And so the neighboring people could see God was with his people. This was the distinguishing mark. This is what Moses was asking for. If we know you're with us, we know it's all going to be good. It's all going to work out. This is what we need, God. We need you. So then Moses just pushes, just pushes a little bit further and says, okay, now God, show me your glory. Wow, I wonder where that came from. Where did Moses think of that from? Moses has been saying, God, we need to know your presence is with us. Moses had seen what God could do. He'd seen it with Pharaoh. And now he says, God, show me your glory. I wonder if any of us can think like that, where we'd say, God, show me your glory. Hmm. What do you think God did? Well, I'm not so sure about this one, Moses. No, 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 no. That's not God. That's not God. Let's move it on. The Lord set up Moses 
in a cleft in the rock. He said, okay, back up Sinai. There's a bit of a rock, and in this rock face, a bit of a gap. You stand in there, and I'll, I'll, I'll pass by. God says, well, yeah, it's, it's kind of like my goodness rather than my glory. You, you couldn't take all my glory. You don't know what you're asking for. If, if Moses were to see the whole of God's glory, that would be too much. So he says, okay, stand in this rock, the cleft of a rock, which we know may well have been the same cleft of the rock that Elijah stood in when, when God came. Moses is there. And what happens? God goes past with his hand in front of the, of the, of the rock, and then God removes his hand. Moses takes a peep. And this is what Moses saw. This is the Lord proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh. Hang on a minute. Did Moses have an experience of this before? When, when, when Moses is saying, okay, who do I say he's sent me to Pharaoh and all this stuff? The Lord says, tell him I am. Yahweh, Yahweh. So this was already a special meaning for Moses. He knew what this meant. Because when he'd gone to Pharaoh, God had done all these things. God showed that he is the, the I am. The I am now. The I am being what I am being. The I will be what I will be. The one who simply is. This is God. The Lord, the Lord. Then the, the compassionate, the gracious God, slow to ab- anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. There's a, a few more things that we could add on, but we'll not just now. Um, all these things. Hang on a minute. This is God. This is a token, a, a portion of, of the glory of God. But isn't this God himself? Uh, you'll have heard me say before uh, about how the attributes of God, uh, a, a God himself, so we usually pick out the example of good and say, well, this chocolate pudding's good. And then we say, yes, and God is good. Uh, and he, how do you start comparing it? And so that's why in songs we say that, yes, you're a good, good father or something like that. Because if we had a few more goods on, then he becomes very good or even better than that. Um, because God is isn't just good he is goodness he is everything that you can imagine that is good if it's goodness it's god and it's not just goodness it's compassion it's it's graciousness it's love it's faithfulness these are god this is god this is who he is he, he, he you can't separate god from all these attributes the, the, these are not something that, oh, well, sometimes is this and sometimes is not in that measure quite so much. He is all these, all the time, exuding them, if you like, all the time, pouring them out of himself. They just exude, he flux out, out of God. This is who he is. And so this revelation of the glory of God can only be wrapped up as a revelation of God himself. So when we're seeing the glory of God, we see God. And in this case, admittedly, not everything. The glory of God is too much for us as humans because he's God. So he allows us this fraction, as he did with Moses, a glimpse of of who he is. So just a little addition to to this one, which is uh, relevant. Moses bowed down and worshipped and again said, there are stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness. God's just said, I'm the one who forgives wickedness. So Moses knew that. God says, I'll forgive your wickedness. Moses says, forgive our wickedness. Take us as your inheritance. God says, I'll make a covenant with you. So it's just a covenant between God and his people. 
God says, I'll go with you. These are my ways. Follow them. I'll go with you. Because Moses was up there to receive the commandments, the way to live. So the covenant was based on the law, God's word, which he was giving, and obedience to that. In the meantime, just a little bit about Moses' face is going to come up again. Uh, thanks, Chris. Moses came down with the tablets and covenant law, not to worry, his face was radiant. Okay? Raid, Moses had been eating the ready break. No, he was not aware. His face was because he had spoken with the Lord. Okay. Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses. His face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. There was something about Moses. Moses was glowing and they were just a little bit afraid. Hmm. Moses' face comes into this just a few times. But he was glowing. There was something of God that was now being possessed by Moses. Moses was radiating something of God. So much so that there had to be a veil involved. Is that the last little bit, Chris? When Moses finished speaking, he put a veil over his face. Okay, he spoke to them, but then the veil came on. Whenever he entered the Lord's presence, he removed the veil until it came out. So when he's talking with the people, he has to take the veil off. It's a bit like a mask, but a bit worse. Uh, when he's speaking with God, the veil's off. But then, between times, there was a veil on the face of Moses. They, they, they saw... Yeah, oh, sorry, it had been given what the Israelites had commanded, no commanded, God's given the ways, follow them. They saw his face was radiant. Moses would put the veil back on until he went back to speak with the Lord. So there's a veiling that's taking place of Moses... And here, uh, it's a sort of veil of protection. Um, The the people are a little bit afraid. He spoke to them, but what's going on here? So there was a veil. Um, The commandments had come down. Let's not move too far away from there, because this was a covenant based on obedience, on the law. God showed his people how to live. And while Moses was up there, God gave the instructions on what to do next. And that's basically set up what needs to be done so that you're ready to start going through the wilderness because that's what you're going to be doing. You're going to be heading towards the promised land. You're going to be in the wilderness a while. So let's set up a place to meet. Tent of meeting. Okay, what we're going to call it. And in natural fact, that's the same idea as what we call a, a tabernacle. And when we looked at the book of Hebrews in recent times, you'll remember how the tent of meeting or tabernacle was set up very deliberately, very specifically. And people were involved in making this tent of meeting just as God had told them to make it. So there they were. They now had the law, the Ten Commandments. They knew how to live. God had shown them what they need to do and also shown them about a meeting place and how to meet with him. And part of that was people who could go into the tent of meetings that could go not just into the holy place, but into the holy of holies, certain priests at a certain time. And inside the holy of holies was this box, just a box of wood. But the box was containing the tablets, the commandments. The law was critical. 
this law was representing God's presence with them as well. So here it is in this box, not just a wooden box. It was a special wooden box. And curiously, you've got two people involved, and I get to forget these names, Bezalel and Aholiab, something like that. And the nice thing about those two, they were just craftsmen, but we're told, full of the Spirit of God. Now, we think New Testament, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, then that will mean tongues and healing and all sorts of gifts. Here were two people about to make this wooden box covered with gold. And they were given, if you like, this filling of the Holy Spirit. So let's not reduce, if you like, or try and condense the Holy Spirit to the gifts that we can think of. Because I would never have thought of that, but I'm not a craftsman. But wow, here, practical gifts were, were, were facilitated and enabled by the, the fullness uh, of the Holy Spirit. This box, wood, gold, atonement cover, the lid on top of it. So the, it was like this, uh, this lid for the atonement in the sense of this is where the blood was going to be sprinkled. So there was sacrifice, there was blood, there was a sprinkling, there was atonement. This was the first covenant. This is what the people set up. And we can read in Exodus how they did it in the very last chapter uh, of Exodus, chapter 40. There's a few instructions, but this is how they did it. Let's, uh, oh, how about starting here? Verse 16. Um, they'd got everybody ready. They'd done their anointings for people. Verse 16. Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded him. Verse 19. Then he spread the tent uh, over the tabernacle as the Lord commanded him. Verse 21. Brought the ark as the Lord commanded him. Verse 23, set out the bread, the bread of the presence, just as the Lord commanded him. Verse 27, fragrant offerings, just as the Lord commanded him. Verse 29, the altar in place, as the Lord commanded him. Then 30, 31, about the basin, Moses and Aaron, and they did this whenever they approached the altar, as the Lord commanded. You get the feeling by the number of times it says everything was done just as the Lord commanded, the obedience to what God had said was crucial. That's what they did. They did everything just as the Lord commanded. And then when it was all done, this is what happened. The cloud clouds again. Suddenly, the cloud covered the tent of meeting. This was now the tent of meeting that had just been made with the craftsmen. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. At one time, this glory was over there. Then it was around in the mountain. Now, filling the tabernacle. Wow. Moses couldn't enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, remember how we're saying how the glory of the Lord is effectively God himself. God himself has now presenced himself in a box, in a tent. Wow. It's not that all of God is suddenly condensed. That couldn't happen. But every cubic inch, centimetre, whatever, of that box 
is full of God. So that whenever you see that box, that box is fully God. God has presenced himself. What did Moses ask for? God, don't send us out to you without your presence. And what has God done? God has come to be with his people. And it was this box that traveled around from then on. It was this box. Someone dangerously tried to stop it from falling over. They were struck dead. The awesomeness of God. The awesomeness of God. And here was God. Something very precious. A wooden box, but a wooden box that was full of the presence of God. Wow. The people took the tent with them. They traveled. They gained the land. They gained kings. Things went good. Things went bad. But then, under the first set of kings, there were good times. First King David, then his son Solomon, who was the one who was charged with building a temple. As the Lord instructed, as the Lord commanded, Solomon built the temple. The priests are ready. They're consecrated. Then the priests just had to withdraw a little so that we can get the ceremony. And then the beginning of the music. Uh, They were singing as uh, Richie started out uh, this morning, uh, give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His love endures forever. The praise meeting started. The trumpets are playing. And then this happens The temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud. Hang on a minute. Clouds have been before. Clouds, often the times when God's there. The cloud filled the temple. The priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. The temple, bigger place than a box. This was going to be God's place. And now this was full of God. Not just a box. The temple. And this was full of God. What a difference. And the difference made was that all these people who were building it, all the priests who were going to go in it, they couldn't get through the door because God was in there and God is so awesome and God is so holy that it was just not right at that time. When the fullness of God was there, that was too much for the people. Fullness of God. In the glory of God. A little bit of a... This is the... uh, the, the tricky bit, I, th- I, think it's, I think it's worth trying to go there. And th- this is the Hebrew bit and the, and the Greek bit, because it's, it's, uh, it's all connected. Because the whole of the Bible's connected, then there's a connection here. The, the writers who were trying to explain what was going on with the glory of God were looking to explain this. And they thought, let's find a word that describes the glory of God settling in a place. And they looked at the other words around, and the word shorchan was to do with, uh, with a tent. Simple as that. Kabod was glory. Shorchan was, was, uh, was settling, dwelling with. And the, the, the rabbis, this is between the New Testament and the Old Testament, thought, what about this word shekinah? You might have heard that word, shekinah, glory. It's a word that we use to associate as the glory of God. What it is, is a take on the word for the tent, the shochan, because it's got the, the, uh, the, the, the shin, the calf, and the noon, the sh, the and the n sounds, okay? So to make shekinah, glory. And so suddenly there was a word to describe the glory of God settling with his people. So that's a movement between Old Testament and New Testament. New Testament, 
we know is when Jesus came to bring in a new covenant. John, trying to describe this new covenant. John, a Hebrew, but familiar with Greek thinking. And so John knew about a logos, this idea of word. Well, word, yeah, well, that's Hebrew, that's God. God is his word. God spoke and it happened. God spoke and there was creation. God spoke, there's commandments. God is his word, nothing more powerful. Logos. But Logos was also in, in Greek thinking, in Hellenistic thinking. There the idea of some being who kind of could transcend between God and creation and could float around and not really sure what he was supposed to do. This mediator. Okay, so let's combine it, use this word Logos, and suddenly we've got God coming into our world. So John begins his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. And this Logos takes on such a rich meaning because it combines everything that's godly in Hebrew and in Greek. And this God became flesh, this being of God. We would know now it's like the second person of the Trinity or the Son of God, as the rest of John's gospel, especially even chapter 1, begins to tell us this one and only from God has come. And this was a taking on of flesh, and made his dwelling among us, okay? Now then, if you've got an authorised version at this point, you might know the word, it doesn't say dwelling amongst us, it says tabernacled amongst us, which is a very unusual verb to use. Or if you like, tented among us, or pitched his tent. Hang on a minute, the word of God, God, the Logos, took on flesh and tented among us. We have seen his glory suddenly We've got a word that's combining the ideas of glory and dwelling. And John picked up this word used in the word tent. So he's used skenu to try and show that there's a the Shekinah glory of God has made his dwelling with us. So the glory of God, God himself, has come to us to dwell with us, to be with us. His presence is with us. And the rest of the New Testament shows how this is why Jesus came, to bring in a new covenant such that we can be with God. Because it's no longer dependent on us being able to keep the law. Romans tells us the law is good. It's from God. There's glory in that because it's from God. But God came through Jesus because we couldn't fulfill it and we could never earn enough righteousness by obeying the law. And so instead of that... Jesus was the one who was obedient. He was the one who went to Calvary to die for us so that his righteousness is enough for us. So although we get it wrong, we can have a righteousness such that we can be in God's presence. So that's the great news this morning. We can be in God's presence. He can be with us because of what Christ has done. Think how God came to be with his people contained in a box, contained in a temple, part of God contained in a box, part of God contained in a temple, part of God, well, all of God in Jesus. As we know, Jesus fully God, everything that was Jesus was God, and yet he was fully flesh. That's why he's son of God and son of man. But that's not the end of the story, because As God's people now, we live under a new covenant, a covenant relationship with him. God spoke about a covenant with his people to Moses. He also speaks of a covenant with you, with me, as his people through the blood of Jesus. It's begun. It began at Calvary. There's more to come. 
as the, the word in Thessalonians said, there's a time when Jesus is coming back. When Jesus comes back, there's going to be a trumpet. It's going to be uh, maybe a bit like the trumpet on Sinai. I don't know. There's going to be clouds. It might be a bit like Sinai. Jesus is coming, and we're going to be with him. Wow. That is something to look forward to. And that's why the writers of the New Testament can say, hey, you've got hope. You've got hope. This is where we're going. This is happening. It's not a hope based on, well, it might, it might not. Because of who's doing it. Think of Moses. Because it's you, God, we have a distinguishing mark and we know it'll happen. Because it's God, we know these things are going to happen and it's written in his word. However, there is a sort of in the meantime. And that's us here and now. Where does this leave us now? In hope, yes. But while we wait, Paul gave us an answer in Corinthians. If the minister that brought death, i.e. the law, he still died because of the law, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious. So God, Moses, was radiant because of this presence of God. Let's move on. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are bold. We are bold because we can enter God's presence. Two veils, well, one of them was in the curtain, of the t- was in the temple. And the curtain that was in the tent of the meeting that separated the people from the holiest of holies, from the very presence of God, there was a separation of a curtain. When Jesus died, the curtain in the temple was torn top to bottom, action from God. So that the people who were outside that side of the curtain could be with God. So now we don't have to worry about entering to God's presence. He has made it possible. Let's continue with Moses. We're not like Moses who would uh, put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. That's a slightly different connotation than what we read about in Exodus. Uh, and this is why I say, take the whole lot in, in balance and not get too drawn up. Was it, what were the reasons for the veil? Moses did have a veil over his face. We, we read it was mostly for his, for, for, if you like, protection of the people. Here there's a sense in which it's also because it was fading away and Moses didn't want the other people to see that it was fading away. Let's not worry about that. Let's know that this veil that was in front of Moses that wasn't showing the rain, what the veil was doing in front of Moses' face was, was stopping the radiance from being seen. Let's see where this concludes. Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Now, because we can know God through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of Jesus, the one who is exactly like Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going, but the one exactly like me is coming to be within you and be around you and fill you. This is the Holy Spirit. We all then, with unveiled faces, reflect the Lord's glory. People in the old covenant looked up and saw God's glory. We learned that that means God himself. But now, hang on. We, we, reflect the Lord's glory. I wonder if you thought of yourself like that. When I'm looking at at you, am I seeing all these reflections of the Lord's glory? That's the challenge, because that's what God does. Because he comes into us by the Holy Spirit. 
then he is making us like Jesus such that then if we're like Jesus, people will see Jesus and we are reflecting him. It's like a mirror. Reflecting's like in a mirror. When people see you, when people see me, do they see Jesus? Do they see the things of God? How did God reveal himself? The compassionate, the gracious, the loving, the kind, all these other things, the forgiving. This is God, who God is. So when people see you, when people see your face, what do they see? Being transformed. Paul talked about being transformed by the renewal of your minds. Romans 12, brilliant text to look at later. Um, being transformed. So we go with increasing glory, ever increasing. I think other versions used to say from one degree of to another, isn't it? I'm trying to think of the exact text that the AV used to say. So we're moving on in degrees of glory. In other words, we're coming more glorious, more, more reflecting the glory of God, or the glory of God is being more closely reflected in, in us. So that's your challenge, even this morning. Even this morning. Are you reflecting the glory of God more today than, than yesterday? Will you be reflecting God in your life more tomorrow? Be assured it's not something that we can do ourselves. It's him who works in us. But as we read, it's the Spirit who does it. As we allow the Holy Spirit in us, as he comes into us in increasing measure, he makes us more like Jesus. We reflect and reveal Jesus more and more until he returns in the clouds with the trumpet. Lord God, thank you for your word. Help us to obey you and follow you because you know what's best for us. You've set the rules. We need to follow them. But Lord, thank you. Thank you that in the times when we, we, we get it wrong, we have a saviour, a saviour who died for us, that we might know through his righteousness, we might know presence with you, that we might know you within us and around us and filling us. Will you do this in increasing measure to bring increasing glory to your name? Lord, in all that we do, today in church, today at the beach, tomorrow at work or at school, wherever we are, will you work in us that which is pleasing in your sight, bringing ever more glory to you as we reveal you in ever-increasing measure by the Spirit, through Jesus. Amen.